0: This morning our uh, reading will come from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 9, and we'll be reading verses 35 through 38. If you would, uh, take your Bible and turn with me there. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. Would you stand please? Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you. Lord, we ask that you would give us the same heart, the same eyes, the same mindset as Jesus Father, that we would approach people in the same way. Lord, we ask that you would send laborers into your field. Father, that we would um, be willing and obedient to answer your call. Father, we pray that the reading and proclamation of your word would be blessed and that your spirit would work in all of our hearts today, both those physically present and those watching the service online. We pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to ask you to do a word association. You know what that is. It's a word is mentioned, and then you latch on to the word that comes to your mind that you associate with it. For instance, if I say ice cream, in your mind, you may have an, a word associated, it might be yummy, or it might be your favorite flavor, you know, it might be chocolate or mint chip or something like that. Uh, if I say church, your association might be bersheba or... You know, whatever. Okay, so here's the word that I want you to come up with an association, okay? Crowd. Crowd. Or plural, crowds. And we're talking of people here. In your mind, what is the association that you have with crowds? Now, here's where I want you to participate with me. Did any of you have the word compassion, as your association with the word. Was there anyone in here that your word that went with crowds was compassion? Good, because you would have made me feel real bad about myself. Thank you for being honest. If we are honest, I'm going to say that most of us, because we don't have time to go around and ask every single one of us, most of us are going to say, hot, sweaty, got the corona, might mug me, might get on my nerves, get in my way. And we're thinking of all sorts of negative things about how people are going to frustrate me, bother me, disturb me. It's all about me and how my comfort or my safety or my security or my desire is going to be bothered by them. None of us like the word crowd. You know, we, we envision Black Friday shopping chaos or even what we see on the news with riots or, or again, the coronavirus and how we, you know, want to stay away from people. Crowds almost universally give us a negative opinion, a negative reflex response or association. But somehow, Jesus had a different response. Somehow, (laughs) he had a different association. And so I want us to think about that today. The the title of this message is called The Problem with the Harvest. The Problem with the Harvest. Jesus uses a couple of metaphors in uh, in this passage. And the second one, we'll go ahead and skip to it right now, is the metaphor of a harvest. And he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So there's everything we need. It's a bumper crop. It's all out there. And yet, I don't know if the tractors are broke down. I I, I don't know if the laborers are all sick. But there's nobody out there in the fields gathering in the harvest. And if you've ever had anything to do with any kind of agriculture in your life, whether on a professional you make it you know you do it for a living, or you just had a little garden yourself, uh, you know that there's a fine line between ripe and rotten. right? It doesn't take long that if you don't get it while it's hot, if you don't get it at the right time, if the birds or the bugs don't get it it's gonna go bad, and you gotta get out there and get it at the appropriate time while it is ready to be reaped, while it's ready to be harvested. And so Jesus says, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And the reason this message is entitled, The Problem with the Harvest, is so we can state the obvious that the problem isn't with the harvest. You see, as Christians, we want to think that the problem is with the harvest. And let's understand here that the harvest is the non-Christians that are supposed to become Christians or the people who are on the verge of becoming Christians or are baby Christians but haven't yet become mature, fully functional, devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And we're saying, what's the problem here? Why aren't we seeing this country, more people coming to Christ? Why aren't we seeing mature Christians really behaving like Christians? Why are we seeing people who claim the name of Christ and yet they're shallow and they live like the world and act like the world? What's the problem here? We're pointing fingers and basically saying, What's wrong with the harvest? And Jesus is saying, There's nothing wrong with the harvest. The problem with the harvest isn't the harvest. So let's go back. And let's think about this passage and what it says about Jesus. In verse 35, it says, Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing diseases and sicknesses. So Jesus was going and doing good wherever he could, in any way he could. Preaching, teaching, healing. Healing you know what? None of us have the abilities that Jesus did, but we all have abilities. We cannot do things to the same extent that Jesus did, but we can love on people, and we can help people, and we can serve people. We can share good news. We can give a healing uh, word of kindness. We can touch people. We can be giving and generous. And When he sees the crowds, the Bible says, he had compassion on them. This describes an emotional response. And unlike every single one of us just admitted, while we all had a negative knee-jerk response to emotion, emotional response is like, ugh, crowds, yuck. His emotional response in his gut was, Oh, those poor people. Wow. How they need a touch from the Lord. How they need a touch from the Master's hand. And you know what the difference from his response and my response when I see crowds is because when I see crowds, I'm thinking about my needs and my wants and how it's going to affect my day and my personal preferences. And that's why I say, uh, when I see crowds. And Jesus wasn't thinking about his wants and desires. He was thinking about others and what they needed. And the Bible says... He had compassion upon them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. That word harassed literally basically means bullied. They were pushed around. You think people in society are pushed around today? You got politicians on one side, parties on one side and on the other. You got Interests, special interests, money groups on one side or the other, social groups on one side or the other, cultural wars going on. We got all sorts of things. People pushing people constantly, and folks are so stressed out. Am I going to get this disease? Can I? Am I going to be able to work? Am I going to go bankrupt? What's going to happen? People are so harassed. People are so worried. People are so stressed. And while most of us now look at people in Walmart like they're an alien if they come closer than, you know, three feet of us, Jesus is looking at people with compassion. He's saying, oh, those poor things, they so badly need someone to care. He said they were like sheep without a shepherd. In the Old Testament, the shepherd, the sheep and the shepherd imagery was a very common metaphor. Uh, shepherds were people who were obviously, in, uh, it, literally, they looked out for the sheep because sheep needed shepherds. On their own, they could go astray. On their own, they didn't do too well. They needed someone looking out for them. And, and the the symbolism was that someone, whether it was a political leader or or a religious leader, or you know maybe maybe a paid person or not, doesn't matter. But there was someone there who was looking out for the needs of others, and, and we're all sheep. If that offends you, that's just what the Bible says. All we like sheep have gone astray. The Bible says. We all mess up. We all stumble. None of us is perfect. None of us finds the right way every time. We all need help. And so Jesus said, when he looked at folks that were stressed out and cranky and angry and hot and tired, oh man, they need some help. And he had compassion on them. And then he switches metaphors, that symbolism of the sheep and the shepherd, to the harvest and the laborers. And that's when he tells us about this, this, this harvest out there that's plentiful. And he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I want to mention three things that you and I need to do. Number one, we need to learn to look at people through the eyes of Jesus. We need to consciously train ourselves. Because we've just all admitted that is not natural to us. Okay? We've all blown away all of our religious, Christian whatever facade. You know, we we've all admitted when I look at a big crowd of people, I'm thinking, ugh. Okay, that is, that's our natural self-centered way of thinking. None of us look at a big crowd and say, oh, I feel so bad for those folks. But if we're going to be like Jesus, which is supposedly what we signed up for when we said Jesus is my Savior and Lord, I'm going to follow him, okay? So if we're actually serious about that and it's not just lip service, if we're trying to develop the mind of Christ like the Bible tells us to, if he looks at crowds with compassion, if he looks at people, whether individuals or crowds, with compassion, then we're called to look at people with compassion also. And so we need to go to the Lord and we need to ask, God, give me the heart, give me the eyes of Jesus where I look upon people with a heart of compassion. And we need to ask him to do that all the time, (laughs) all the time, constantly. That needs to become uh, a a constant request because it's just not natural for us. And not in the flesh at least, not in the, or the old sinful nature as it's sometimes referred to. We have to ask God, God, let your spirit work through me so that I look at people the way Jesus looks at people. Ask God, help me look at people with the eyes of Jesus. Second, we need to pray with confidence to the Lord of the harvest. Pray with confidence to the Lord of the harvest. Jesus says, pray to the Lord of the harvest that will send more laborers. Now, he uses the word Lord of the Harvest to emphasize the fact that, hey, just like a massive landowner who has all the wherewithal all, all, all of the, the capital, all of the money to, ha- to own all of this massive land and to plant all this massive crop. Surely he also has the money and equipment to reap and harvest it all. All he needs to be informed is, hey, somehow by some, some, something that's not happening, there's not enough people deployed out there and he'll make it happen. Because with complete confidence, he can make it happen. Jesus says, We need to go to the Lord, the Lord of the harvest, that is the Father God, and we need to pray to him earnestly. This needs to be our heart's desire that we say, God, send more laborers into the harvest. We need to be actively praying that God would raise up new leadership, new leaders. New ministers, new lay leaders, new Sunday school teachers, new elders, new committee members, new workers in the kingdom that don't have any sort of title. New teenagers who are leading in the youth group. New children who start standing up and leading in the children's ministry. New young adults who start new ministries. I I won't embarrass this person by calling out their name, but one of our members this past week talked about a way in in which, at at their work, a a sad situation happened and how they kind of went out on a limb. And since they'd already been doing some business by Zoom, they just kind of went out on a limb and called together some of the people on Zoom and said, hey, I I want us to all meet together. And, And they read Scripture and offered a few prayers and spoke some words, and and this was something this person had never ever done before, and this was with their coworkers. This wasn't with their church members, but it was something where you know God put this on their heart. And I was like, man, that is so awesome that that God gave you the courage to step out in faith and, and to to get out there and to start leading and reaching people and touching. And that ministry, nobody had to come along and say, hey, you, uh, the committee has appointed me to ask you to be app- No, 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 no. God just put it on their heart. And they obeyed that calling of the heart. That was awesome. You know, I, I love uh, Romans 10. Says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how that can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. There is a constant need for New leadership to come up in Christian circles. And when we're thinking about this harvest, sometimes our minds naturally go to to evangelists, and that's part of it, that we do need God to be calling out New people that are specifically gifted in in sharing the gospel. All of us are called to share our faith, every single one of us. But there are some certain men and women who are specifically gifted in a special way beyond others um, to go and to train others how to share the gospel and and to share it in special ways themselves. But it's not just evangelists. It's all sorts of leadership. And, And like I said, that's on all sorts of levels, It could be education ministers and children's ministers and worship leaders and and it can be Sunday school teachers and and choir members and all sorts of different kinds. It doesn't have to be a title. Some of you are thinking, oh, that's great, but none of that stuff fits me. Find what fits you. Find how God has gifted and blessed you and use that. You know what? Imagine, you know, Somebody a few years ago, 10, 20 years ago, nobody would have imagined that there was some, there'd be somebody who faithfully served the church by sitting in front of a computer back there every Sunday. But guess what? If it wasn't, if we didn't have that, we'd miss out on a whole lot both here and over the Internet. See? It doesn't necessarily have to be something that's listed in the Bible. God never, I mentioned this last time we were talking about spiritual gifts, he never put one single all-comprehensive list of, of the things you can do as a Christian. He didn't try to do that because he was never going to limit what his spirit would do through his people. There's an infinite number of ways that you can minister because God has created each of us uniquely and he's put you just like was said to esther for put you in your time created you allowed you to be in a situation for such a time as this (laughs) some of you i'm sure have questioned why did i have to live in 2020 (laughs) why did this have to happen when i'm alive some of our seniors have thought why is this the year i graduated in 2020 you know guess what The Bible makes it very clear that each of us were not accidentally born into the time we were. Some of us feel that way. Some of us say, I would have done a lot better in the 1800s. No, you wouldn't. You like air conditioning. You know, I know some of you think that you'd have done better back then. No. But the Bible actually makes clear in the book of Acts when Paul is talking to the folks at Athens That each and every one of us are specifically, we weren't randomly born into the time we were born into. We were specifically born into the time and place that we were born into to fulfill God's purpose, to hear His word, uh, to fulfill His purpose for our lives. Okay? And so God is wanting us to listen. We look at people, learn to look at people with the eyes of Jesus. Pray with confidence to the Lord of the harvest for him to send more workers. You know what? Man, I'd love to see. And like I said, nobody's better than anybody, whether they are, you know, people, those of us who are, you know, ordained ministers or are called, you know, ordained ministers, whatever. That doesn't make anybody better than anybody else. But I tell you what, I'd sure love to see that. We, we've had some folks surrender to ministry, come out of this church, but it's been a while. I believe God could be raising up uh, next generation of ministers, though, right now. And, and, you know, I've seen God call, as I've been in ministry, um, dating myself here, but about a quarter of a century now, about 25 years I've been in ministry. And I've seen God call children. I've seen him call teenagers. I've seen him call young adults. I've seen him call middle-aged adults. I've seen him call senior adults and radically change the direction of their lives and say, here I am, and and, and these folks go with the Lord. And and this is the the last point here. Whether it is something, a quote, you know, big title or full-time call to ministry, whatever it is, the third point is that we need to respond with joyful obedience. You see, this prayer... When we say, Lord, please send laborers into the harvest, this prayer is really, Lord, use me. Send me and as many others as you can, Lord. Put me where you want me to put me. I'm volunteering and bring a bunch more too. I I, I love the book of Isaiah chapter 6, where Isaiah gets that vision of the temple And the Lord appears before him in this great and mighty way. And the Lord says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah says, me, me, I'll go. Here am I, Lord, send me. And that's what God wants from us, that willingness. And so many of us have this weird notion that God is really sadistic and cruel and mean. And that if we say, okay, God, God's going to be like, ha, <laughs> ha, I got you now. Let me find the one place that you never wanted to go. And the one thing that you never wanted to do. And ooh, that one person you never wanted to marry. And let me me see how I can make your life miserable now that you've surrendered your life to me. Why do we have that image of God? And yet so many people have that. When Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly, surrendering to God is saying, yes, God, I want all that you have for me. And yes, I do understand that that means taking up my cross and denying myself. I do understand that I will follow you, and for that, I will gladly suffer at times just as Christ has suffered. But that also means that I will be full of the joy of the Lord. That means that I will have your companionship, your presence, your peace, your power in my life. I will experience a life of fullness and purpose that I would never experience if I was running for you, from you, or trying to live a halfway Christian life but that's what so many people do because they're afraid if I fully surrender then God will just take it and he'll just oh he'll just really and it's a amazingly disrespectful view of a God who loves us so much that he sent his son he sacrificed His only son, and his his only son gladly sacrificed himself for us. That's how much he loves us. And yet we have the gall to think that God really doesn't completely love us and that somehow he's out to get us. God created each of us. He knows exactly what we were meant to do. And he wants us to fulfill that purpose in our lives and be completely who we are meant to be. And yet we'll never be that way as long as we're holding back in fear. As long as we're saying, I'll give you this much, God, but no further. Isaiah said, here I am, Lord. Send me wherever you want, whatever you want. I'll go however far. I'll do whatever you want. And you know what? That might be next door. It might be to stay exactly where you are. It might be to go halfway around the world. But you will be most fully at peace when you are in God's will. And you will be most completely miserable as a believer when you are fighting against god you know what jim elliott said he he was uh, he was that missionary who was uh killed in the tribes down in uh, central america years ago but before he died he said he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Folks, the things we have, including our physical life, the Bible says life's like a vapor here today, gone tomorrow. What we have here, none of it we can keep. Only the things that are eternal will last. And God has called us to be a part of his work that will last forever. The problem with the harvest is not the harvest. The problem was, is with us. And we need to remove these really bad glasses that we've been wearing of cynicism and selfishness and indifference. We need to chunk them. And we need to start looking at. At people with eyes of compassion, the way Jesus looked at people. We need to encourage our brothers and sisters as we join in the harvest, laboring, asking God to bring others with us. We fully commit to His mission and His goal, knowing that that's how we find our greatest fulfillment in god 's purpose for us let 's pray, heavenly Father, God, you have called us, you knew us before we were even born Lord your your word tells us that we were fearfully and wonderfully made there, there is just something just awe and there's a sense of awe and, and, and amazement about how you love us in, in spite of our sin. Father, your grace and your mercy. And God, we're we're so we're so crazy sometimes that we can just lap up and and, and lavish enjoy the, the grace that you lavish upon us and, and yet we don't want to share that with others. We want to hold everybody else to the highest of standards. And God, you're calling us to have mercy and compassion on others. Help us, Father, beginning with me. Father, help me to look at people with the eyes of Jesus. Help us all. Help us all to labor For your kingdom. Help us, Father, to call out to you with passion to see people brought into your family and grown and loved and matured in the faith. Father, help us to be part of something that is meaningful for all of eternity. God, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.